Hello and welcome to the Inspired Astrology Podcast. I'm Lauren K. Hickman of Ursa Day Healing Arts, and you are here for the Libra full moon and this big, beautiful, bright lunation coming up uh, on April 5th or 6th, depending on where you're located and which time zone. And in Aries season, here we are, this brightness, this joy, this optimism, and there is certainly optimism and honesty. To be honest, being human is quite messy, and connected as we are, we have this instant access, instant gratification. We are living within an era of entitlement. And in that entitlement comes seemingly infinite want, a hungry dissatisfaction. Here we are, human, born to consume, process, integrate, release. What happens when your belly is full and craving remains? To want pleasure, to not want suffering. To remember that challenges yield growth. But given the choice, would you make the choice to hurt? Hardships are inevitable, timing imperceptible. And we have each other. Look at each other. When did you last feel perceived? When was the last time your cheeks flushed in eye contact or felt the electric sensation between your skin and the skin of another? Perception is raw. To be perceived is vulnerable. Yet we have this this shame of being, this well dug deep into the psyche of some of us. Thus we placate, right? We return to our autopilot phrases of I'm fines and nice to see ya. Yes, one, one less obstacle to navigate. Do we then fail to see our colleagues' eyes bloodshot with tears? Do we fail to perceive our neighbor widowed, widower, disposing of their partner's clothes? Do we awkwardly step in and ask, or do we move along to feel isolated and to unknowingly isolate? Life happens. When and if we witness pain, we confront our own fear. Look at each other. Consensual attention is generosity. Attention is something we benefit from. Perhaps we fear to request it or we hesitate to share it. Attention. It's all about attention. We may avoid those people, neighbors, friends, family who are in pain, in hardship, in strife. This unconscious effort of ours to avoid our own mortality, our own vulnerabilities. We put the guard up, we carry on. Nothing to see here. Move along, folks. You are to be seen and known here. 
you are to see and to know being here. If you don't know what to offer another in moments of crisis, offer gentle attention, offer sanity. We stabilize together. We co-regulate together. So the sun in Aries is conjunct Chiron, and we have a water trine between Mars, Saturn, and the south node, sort of evoking this ancient crystallized feelings that we need to learn to redirect. And we have this Taurus and Mercury north node conjunction tuning us deeply into our feeling body into sensation to our securities and the truth of our body's wisdom right and i I look at this this uh chart and it's like a, a bucket of energy over in the arc of intimacy sort of a cruise between aries and taurus and we have this opposition to the moon and libra And it has kind of this construct, this dialogue, this conversation. And to me, that's really what this moon is about, is dialogue, conversation, right? So just plug in the moon mailer. If you haven't been to my website, ursidae.us, I put out a moon mailer twice a month, bi-monthly, in conjunction with this Inspired Astrology podcast. So if you're more of the reading type rather than the listening type, um, please feel free to uh, connect, plug in, uh, open your email and have a look. I know we all get pretty unindated, so I only send out two a month uh, and it is jam-packed with my brain, my brain droppings as, what was that? George Carlin used to say. Um... I in the in the moon mailer this month I describe an activity called eye gazing which I feel is like such a special activity uh, to honor yourself and another person and you can do this with uh, a consenting stranger an acquaintance colleague friend loved one family member right and all it takes is just you and that's it Right. If you need a timer, that's great. Setting the timer for, you know, eight to ten minutes and just regarding one another in space and what it feels like to get that tender and that soft and to see where your guards come up when you're just being gently perceived, when there's no no tension at all. What does it feel like to really open your heart and connect to perceive and to be perceived? Uranus, right? A shyness, shame, self-consciousness, vulnerability, all of these things that come up and this absolute wonder and gift of looking, seeing, and regarding another human being, you know, their own life, their own story, their own secrets, heartbeat. It's really, it's really something, right? So the Aries Libra axis, I feel, you know, as an Aries sun, Libra rising, I'm sure some of you know this by now. Um, I, you know, I really try to embody this energy because I can't help but do so. <laughs> There's some irony in that. Um, there are conversations about relationships that come up here, 
you know, I did a, I did a pop-up uh, at the Hyde House here in Bayview in Milwaukee uh, outside my, my girl Sheila's uh, vintage shop called Slow Wave. And every conversation was about relationships. And this doesn't surprise me considering the season and this moon coming up, um, self and other, right? And relationships are how we grow. It's how we learn all the different kinds of ships that we ride on with others this life. So we have, you know, Aries, this initiator, Libra, who negotiates, deliberates, you know, and Aries are, we are known (laughs) for our impulsivity and action. Uh, Depends on the type of Aries that you are, right? There's a lot of generalizations that come up in reports. So I do want you to Um, as a user of astrology information, just to keep in mind that, you know, hey, are you a Mercury in Aries? Are you a Mercury in Taurus? Are you a Mercury in Pisces? Right? What, What is that inner voice inside of you? And like, is your sun, you know, connected to Neptune? Right? That'll soften you up right there. You know, so just it just depends on kind of the acuity of the Aries energy and how it uh, fine-tunes or vibrates off of the other planets, right? But for the most part, there is this initiative, impulsivity, action, um, and wholehearted enthusiasm. And that enthusiasm can be quite intoxicating. It can rally troops, it can bring people together, it can uh, provide leadership in situations that uh, are scrambled. Resilience seems to be one of these abilities that we have, right, to pivot. Um, And ultimately, I think providing permission for others to do the same, to be themselves, to be unabashed, even if there is a lot of shame and self-consciousness involved in the Aries as they're developing identity. Um, You know, there there are going to be ebbs and flows of self-centeredness in this process because Aries is here to be and to I am their way through the world. However, Libra, the opposing force here, an air sign, a cardinal air sign in the fall, right? We have the spring Aries bubbly fire energy and then the air quality of listening, reflecting, considering options, (laughs) Considering options often ad nauseum. Right, this creative and collaborative spirit reflects diplomacy, compromise, or its shadow, manipulation. Right? And the glyph for Venus, Libra's traditional planetary associate, is that of a hand mirror holding its reflection. Libra knows it sees itself in every situation, every dynamic, and through reflection, Libra develops a sense of self or the quality of shape-shifting to meet the needs of each gaze. I think Venus has a lot of chutzpah. You know, it's a, it's a quality that goes after what, it's, what it wants, right? And if it's, um, if it's fine-tuned, it's really good at it, you know? And sometimes it just sits and cries that it's not getting what it wants. And want is such a big theme. What are we building? What are we, what are we trying to create for ourselves? So the space between these two extremes, Aries and Libra, is the balance, right? Honoring the self, honoring your own desires, and trusting your own inner impulse, 
right? And then honoring the need for community, that we are not islands unto ourselves, right? We have to collaborate. We need one another. And harmony is the goal. So if we bow entirely to the will of another or we dominate another, right? Both, both energies can be harmful, right? And that's, that's the dynamic in play. That is relationships. So we learn to communicate through practice, right? No one's automatically good at relationships, in my opinion, right? I think some are better than others. I think that some people just know how to be a good friend. And maybe some folks didn't have anybody to demonstrate that. And I was um, was chatting today with Jonah Emerson Bell, who's going to be joining us for a good chunk of this week's podcast, um, about uh, why it's important to let other people know when they make mistakes, right? There's a consensual relationship when we are humble enough to let somebody know like, hey, that that was kind of sucky of you, right? Rather than just kind of turning the cheek and walking away. And I say that myself knowing that there have been times where I had to walk away. And there have probably been times that you have needed to walk away because there was nothing left to be said, right? And sometimes the pain of relationships can ache in your skin, your soul, your heart for years after those frayed edges have come undone right? The cord has been cut, moving on. And I I wish that there was a a way to put salve on those situations to have like a quick heal to broken hearts and broken promises, disappointments that occur in human relationships. You know, and I think if you can give some grace to yourself, right, for the, the messiness of being human, and give grace and compassion to other people, forgiveness as much as possible, right? I, I, I think that's what creates peace and harmony within ourselves is seeing that all kinds of bakes into the cake, right? Everything folds into itself. So I celebrated my birthday this past week. Oh, <laughs> and I just got to give a shout out to Mother Lion in Bayview, uh, my partner tree, hooked us up with an evening of sauna and hot tub and fireplaces and candles and incense burning and pillows and places to sit and charcuterie to chow on and friendships and chats. And it was just like the most healing and nourishing birthday that I've ever had. It was so, so precious. And I feel really blessed um, to have friends here in Milwaukee that really, I feel really seen by them. And we had some conversations about attention and how attention is such an important component of relational dynamics, right? And it is, it is generous to give attention. And I mentioned generosity in, in Jupiter's placement in Aries, that it can suck up all the air in the room or it can be like overly attentive and really, really generous and thoughtful and gracious with the way that it approaches others in dynamics. And I, I really feel attention is, is the thing that helps us to thrive the most as beings. And it's, it doesn't cost anything. It costs nothing to give attention. So in the dynamic of being an Aries sun with a Libra rising, right, balance is a key theme for me. And I have learned that balance is a moving target, 
right? It is, it is not a static state of being, right? The scales are always moving a bit. So just when you feel like you've gotten your, you've got your bearings, you get, you get your bearings, you got your bearings, you end up falling down or losing, losing your footing. It throws you off. Um, we can force our will onto the environment, try to, to make things static outside of us, to try to control or manipulate situations external to us. We can ask others to change, right? We can manipulate the environment to meet our needs. And this can look like, this could look like rearranging your apartment, right? To passively, aggress- passive aggressively complaining about how laundry was folded, right? Like it, it can look a lot of ways in how we enforce our will when we feel uncomfortable. Right. Uh, um, I've been to parties that I felt uh, awkward in the environment and I started screwing around with the lighting. Right. And maybe that was helpful. Right. Or was it just helping me to feel more comfortable in what I was perceiving as an awkward situation? Right. Projection is a big part of working with that mirror energy of Libra. So what is what is the sweet spot between feeling unperturbed within, right? Maintaining your own balance, your peace, your harmony, um, while also not allowing others to shit all over you, right? This is, this is a kind of a self-respect piece while also respecting others and their autonomy, their agency. What's the place between will and justice, confidence and gentleness? That's, that's your access point. So this particular lunation was um, kind of a reflection on this feeling of others and the self-protective experience of avoiding the truth of suffering. You know, in Buddhism, we mention old age, sickness, and death all the time, right? The, the truth of troubles, the truth of the undesirable. And I, I really think about the Scorpio Taurus nodes in this chart and their placement, how they're activated and, and what it means to kind of work with that, that nourishment of resources and security for self and shared resources. You know, what, it, what are we taking in? What are we putting out? So attention. we see others can we relate with others when we feel seen you know there's there's a tenderness when our situations are witnessed and you know I'm, I'm just thinking now about selfies and um self reflection on social media right um uniqueness and you know i'll share with you here i didn't write this in the report um you know, I'm doing EMDR and uh, just doing some processing, some old muck. And it's like a shitty rainy day here in Milwaukee. And so it's like a perfect day to like go and have a good cry on a couch with a quasi stranger who who listens, right? And reflects back. <laughs> There's another Aries Libra relationship right there is therapy. And I, I've always had the sense of not belonging Right? And a lot of sense of abandonment, um, alienation, whether self-imposed or otherwise. And this, this phrase came to me that, um, you know, to be special, to be unique means to not belong, right? To be othered. 
And I was like, what a mindfuck that is that I have that seed buried in the, the balls of my consciousness, right? In the, in the bowels of my being, there is this fixated belief or truism that to be special means to not belong. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna work with that. And maybe that has some resonance for you. Maybe that kind of clicks in some experiences that you've had in your journey of uh, insecurity or alienation or trying to find where it feels safe and where it feels good. But yeah, I just, I, I, to come back to that social media statement, right? Like I think that we do desire to be seen and witnessed. And a lot of us are kind of exposing ourselves online a lot, right? Lots of videos and and private thoughts and statements and feelings and, you know, even just recording yourself doing very mundane tasks and putting it out there for the world to witness. And, you know, I, I think that as an elder millennial, I have like a like a strange relationship with social media because, um, you know, I, I learned not to blog uh, because some somebody could figure out who I was or where I live and they could come trace me down. I could have a stalker or something. Right. And so that's one of those like false beliefs that I might have. Or maybe it is like a safe way to be in protecting myself a bit. Right. Because exhibitionism is its own quality of like art in a way. And so is voyeurism. And I think that that plays out in this, in this lunation as well. Or maybe I'm just projecting my own shit onto the moon. That's probably true uh, 40% of the time. All right. <laughs> so I just, I just want to give you some, some space to reflect on what uh, relationships are like for you, what it feels like to be seen, uh, to see and witness others. You know, maybe where there's domination or power dynamic that needs to be addressed. Um, all relationships are truly a give and take, right? You know. So I am going to pass uh, the mic over to an earlier version of myself <laughs> from earlier today, and my my friend and my colleague, Jonah Emerson Bell. So a good friend of mine, my bestest friend, Shana in Viroqua, uh, she is the one who pointed out Blind Stallion Space Wizard to me on Instagram some years ago, in the before times. It was probably 2018 or 2019 when I became acquainted with Jonah Emerson Bell's account. Um, it's fun to say all three words of, of his name, so I'm, I'm just doing that. But Jonah... Um, Jonah did these really fun uh, tarot videos that were incredibly goofy using googly eyes on like ketchup bottles and and pulling cards and kind of doing this this weird uh, dynamic interplay of like like kind of a self-conversation with these inanimate objects and it, it it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant and hopefully uh, he'll be done with school soon enough that he can resurrect these delightful uh, reels. And I don't know, I, you know, it's like, there's like, come for the play, stay for the words sort of situation. And I, I really took to Jonah's perception of tarot, of astrology, um, kind of the wisdom that he was bringing, uh, through the silliness. And, you know, as a 
person who really values crazy wisdom for sure and the importance of play when it comes to to teaching on the utter fucking chaos of this this world and the experience of being human and uh over time there was like weird overlaps right like uh, Jonah would play Primus on uh, his radio show that he puts out every week on Sound uh, SoundCloud called the the Melee Report uh, Camp Wizard Camp. So I'll I'll put throw up a link to that in the um, show notes, as they say. Uh, but like Jonah and I lived in Red Hook, Brooklyn, around the same time, or there was an overlap, which is very interesting because Red Hook is like it's a tiny community within Brooklyn and South Brooklyn. Uh, right on the waterfront uh, facing the Statue of Liberty. And I, I lived and worked down there. And shout out to Maid Design and Build, Architecture, what would? Um, <laughs> if Ben's listening, if the crew's listening down there, uh, you are in my heart. That, that warehouse, that terrifying Civil War warehouse that I would never go into at night by myself <laughs> on the pier in the harbor. Uh, all right, I just went off on a tangent, but yeah, so, you know, Jonah and I over time, it was like, you know, finally it was like, all right, one of us has got to get a reading from the other one. Like, this is just how this conversation starts. And from that dialogue built more dialogue and referencing to each other for, um, readings, right. And just getting information, collaborating in, in, in such a way just for our clients. And turns out that we're both studying to become therapists, as well as bringing the wisdom of astrology and for Jonah Taro uh, to the table. So I am deeply privileged to call Jonah a friend. And we are playing with the idea of maybe integrating uh, a show together to do the podcast together, a podcast together. Um, so this is like the test run. I hope that you very much enjoy this and I would love to hear your feedback on if we got good chat. All right. So enjoy. Here is Jonah Emerson Bell and Lauren K. Hickman. Hello. Hello. How's it going? It's good. I was just reading, um, like the app says, make sure that you and your guest have a strong connection to get the best recording. And I was thinking like, yeah, I think our connection's pretty good. That's why we're oh, doing yeah. this. Yeah, I think our connection's great. <laughs> well, okay. So I, I'm sort of viewing this as either an interview or like experiment one, the test run to see if we if we make good chat, if if uh, if we have the podcast, um, you know, mojo to make this work. So um, I'm just going to introduce uh, Jonah Emerson Bell, and you can tell me a little bit about yourself. And I mean, how appropriate that we're moving into this Libra full moon as our first episode, which is all about dynamics, others, relationships. Uh, so it's good to have some banter. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, and it's an honor and a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me on your show. Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's the way our relationship sort of developed is just like through through the Instagram, through the connectivity of the universe. Right, right. And I think, you know, that's one of the 
kind of beautiful things about the age of Aquarius, if you will. We were just talking about that before we jumped on this call. But, you know, the uh, way the ways that um, people can find connection, even in isolation. And, you know, in some ways, I think the Internet is totally ruining the world in other ways. Um, it's helping to forge uh, really dynamic and uh, important connections. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I have, I come from that philosophy that everything has consciousness and sentience, right? That's mm -hmm. just my philosophy. And so that means that silicon, you know, which is abundant in this world, like we are made of silicon and silica and all the things and that silica has consciousness. And so why wouldn't it like help to vibrate us all together in a way? Mm, I love that. That is the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it's, it's kind of the landscape of consciousness in a way. It's like, it's intangible, right? Like it's, maybe it's something like the astral plane. Like you can create whatever bullshit that you want to there and everybody can come visit it. Uh, right. Right. Um, also, you know, uh, I think it's important to note that we have never met face to face, but uh, we talk uh, semi-regularly and, you know, consult on charts, on school, on, therapy on astrology, you know, and we're kind of in parallel life spaces. Um, and, you know, I really appreciate having you as a colleague and somebody that I can bounce ideas off of. Mm -hmm. uh, as Shana, who introduced us would say, igualmente, like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's good to have that mutual experience. I mean, you and I both have been professional astrologers. Um, I think that you started more with the, the tarot tradition, if I remember your story correctly. And yes. here we are in school and graduate programs as like full on fucking adults. And, you know, I'm studying clinical social work. You are in a like a mental health counseling program in Santa Fe, if that's right. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So there is, there is that like, all right, let's like fall through space together and kind of make eye contact and make sure we're okay as we're going through this journey. Um, I appreciate your, your words about how when you take the chart or the cards away, we're barebacking, uh, what'd you say? Co-regulation with our mm -hmm. clients. And it, that's a real powerful technique in listening and intuition. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I, in doing this work, both as a counselor and also as an astrologer, right, because this is all counseling work. And um, one of the things that I've come to understand is it sort of like doesn't matter like what modality you use, right, what theoretical orientation, uh, whether it's tarot astrology, you know, CBT, uh, Jungian analysis, whatever. Uh, what's really important is uh, making connections, right? And being uh, co-present and co-regulating with each other. And there's uh, something that magical that happens in the therapeutic field, as they call it, right? When we're just like sitting with somebody um, and uh, listening to them and receiving and being able to like normalize, being able to like actually like see and hear a person um, and helping to like regulate our nervous system and their nervous system. Um, and, you know, it's interesting with like tarot and astrology, I find that I'm like telling the story and I'm like doing a lot more talking, right? And so it's uh, a lot of uh, me delivering information and telling a story. And in counseling, it's sort of the reverse. And 
what I've noticed is that like the chart or the cards are kind of like training wheels that like can continue to be referred back to um, in a client session. And then like in the counseling practice, uh, those are gone and you're just like, all right, it's like me and you and like whatever like comes up between us. And it's interesting. Um, it's a really interesting thing to pursue. Yeah. I think that, you know, the newer field, you know, radical mental health care means decentering the therapist. Right. And mm -hmm. I feel like I try to do that work with decentering the astrology. And, you know, I've had clients say, oh, when are we going to get to the astrology part? And I said, we've been doing that the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, in the beginning, I feel like, you know, when you're a newer astrologer, there's this piece of like, I need to be entertaining. I need to be right. I need this to resonate for them. And there is sort of that like, I don't know, seeking affirmation or acknowledgement from the client because they are invested in our words. Mm -hmm. And what I appreciate about you, Jonah, is like, I mean, as like wizardry and mystical and magical as you are, like there, there's not a fortune telling component. There's not a predictive component. There's not a, let me tell you who you are. And I, I think that's probably why we resonate is that we move from a practice that is soul supportive and evolutionary uh, for, for the person in front of us and not really making it about us and what we have to say. Totally. You know, and I think that telling a person who they are is like really uninteresting to me. Right? <laughs> I'm uh, more concerned with like helping them to contextualize like difficulty right, and uncover strengths, and then also uh, doing remediations in the chart. So being able to like, uh, if there is a planet that is um, creating a lot of difficulty, like learning how to tone that down, um, or if there is a strength that is like maybe debilitated, uh, being able to amp that up. Um, and, you know, I think that like, there's this interesting piece around, uh, tarot astrology these sort of like divinatory practices these magical practices where i think that people come um in in a way to like hear the like magic person like tell them the answer and i know like i've sought that out right when and still i'm like you know when i go and get an astrology reading i'm like oh like magic person give me the answer tell me it's gonna be all right and i think that there is like great power um in an astrologer being able to be like I know you're going through a difficult time, but it's going to be all right, you know, and here is proof that it's going to be all right. Um, and I think that like as a uh, astrologer, tarot reader, you know, anyone working in this in this field, there is great power because like, you know, the history of these arts um, is invested with that power and to use it skillfully and wisely to empower the client instead of being like, I am the one with the magic knowledge, right? I think it's all about like teaching people how to access that for themselves. On the nose. I think that's really well said. Yeah. And I, I feel we all kind of come to the path from the magical standpoint, like how can I affect change in my life? Right. And that's mm -hmm. where rituals or relics or things come into play where we're trying to affect change. And then there's this piece like, Oh, well maybe, maybe a person is who I need to reflect with. Right. And mm -hmm. eventually we step into that occultist standpoint um, where, you know, that's kind of the hidden piece where we recognize that, like, we have that wisdom. We have that shining light inside of us. We have that basic goodness and that truth within, but it's kind of buried by our neuroses. 
I think like our job is to resurrect, you know, the, the soul light with everyone that we come into contact with in a way. Totally. And, you know, I think that um, the magical arts, right. um, I've always been drawn to them because they're a way uh, for people to find empowerment, right. No matter what your economic situation is, no matter what your like birth situation is, no matter where you are in the like caste system of capitalism or like uh, the crushing gears of, you know, the systems that we're living in, um, like through the practice of magic, right? Like we get to be in touch with the divine in all things, right? And it's a way of like finding empowerment through being like, oh, if I put these herbs together, you know, and write this petition at the right time, like it can create change um, in in ways that are uh, helpful for me in my life. And I think that is like so important and so powerful in a society that like really, um, uh disempowers people and especially people of color queer non-binary trans people right like marginalized people um to be able to like find agency and power in life is such an important thing and i think um that is really like the value of magic you know and then practices like tarot and astrology um to find connection to find like direction um, and to have a sense of agency in one's life. Agency is a real world word, right? Like that we, we get to make choices and that even when we feel stuck, we can get unstuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so where did you come up with the name Blind Stallion Space Wizard? When did that come up for you? Um, okay, so... It came up, um, I was living in uh, Red Hook, Brooklyn, and I had an art studio back then and art practice. And I was like, um, you know, just starting out with Instagram, like finally, after like years of not having a smartphone and not being on social media, I was like, you know what, if you can't beat them, join them. And um, I was like, you know, I was going to have my Instagram name as like Jonah Emerson Bell Studio, right? <laughs> Which is like your typical artist Instagram name. And I was like, hold on, hold on one second. And I thought about, um, I thought about the story that I had heard. And I don't know if the story is true or not. Um, but what I heard was when um, the EU was starting and kind of the world was moving in that globalized direction, Um, the country of Mongolia was like, everyone, okay, like you need to have social security numbers and you need to have last names. And people were like, what? Like, why are you telling me what I have to do? And they're like, no, seriously, guys, like we all need last names. And so people were like, okay, if I need a last name, I'm just going to like pick the name that I want. Like, I'm going to be, I don't know, like Johnny, uh, like carries fire for a thousand miles. Or like, I'm going to be Billy, the guy who crushes mountains with my hands. And I was like, holy shit. That story came back to me in that moment in my kitchen. And I was like, holy shit. Like, if I could pick any name, what name would I pick? And it's sort of like my mind got blown a little bit. Um, and then I thought about uh, 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 Bill and Ted's band from uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent <laughs> Adventure. Which wild is, uh, stallions yeah but i i thought it was blind stallions and i was like oh that's great 
And so it just sort of evolved from there. <laughs> the space wizard. Yeah. yeah. I, it just occurred to me that we both had our, like our handles or our names uh, be established in Red Hook, Brooklyn. Cause I was living there when Ursa Day was like what I wanted to change my name to. And like my first Instagram handle was Dorje Ursaday. Mm. And uh, yeah, here I am like finally naming my business, the thing that I wanted so much to be, to be known as. Yes. Yes. And uh, there's like such power in, in names, right. In uh, the name that we choose in how we embody. Right. Um, and, you know, I think like, mine was a joke that now I'm like, okay, I'm here now. And, you know, I, I th sometimes like in a professional context, I'm like, is that okay? And then I'm like, fuck it. Of course that is right. Because like, that's who I am. That's how, that's how I show up. Um, and I also want to name that uh, we were like neighbors that didn't know each other in Red Hook, which I think is really funny. <laughs> I do too. I think I like I uh, when we we're first starting to DM, I was like, did we run into each other at Baked on Van Brunt Street? Like, 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 where did we, where did we ever run into each other? But I'm I'm glad that we're here now, even if mm -hmm. it's uh, disembodied <laughs> in a way. Totally. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So last night I was kind of like you know, in my insomnia state, I was like, all right, like if, if Jonah and I did a podcast together, would it be like Beavis and Butthead do astrology? <laughs> or <laughs> Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then like, I, I was thinking, oh, like the stallion and the bear, because your old, your old podcast was called the stallion and the hare. And I was like, oh, that would be like an easy reach, right? But I don't, I don't know. Would, would Amelia be okay with that, Amalia? <laughs> I don't know. I, I actually need to reach out to them because I haven't talked to them in ages and they, they've been on my mind. But I think that, I think that's uh, a really funny starting place. Yeah. A really funny evolution. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Uh, well, I mean, I, I think, you know, we're here to talk about the full moon. So maybe maybe we should do that, even though I love talking about our origin stories. Maybe we'll have like a superhero episode at some point. Um, yeah, so we'll we'll transition a bit like uh, this moon. Uh, I guess where you're located, it's going to be on Thursday, the 6th, right at 1234 a.m. Is that right? I believe so. Right. And yes. so where I'm at in Milwaukee, because you're in, in Santa Fe, I'm in Milwaukee. Um, so it's going to be the 5th of April where I am, but we're okay. So it's midnight this week in the middle of the week. Yeah. And the Libra full moon comes around once a year as do full moons. And, you know, for those new or learning about astrology, the full moon is always the axis point. It's an opposition, a balancing point. Uh, which creates that reflection of the full moon being kind of uh, bright and sunny because it's opposing the sun. Mm -hmm. So when Jonah asked me like what my vibe was with this chart, I was thinking about, you know, we have a kite formation, which is, you know, a combination of trines and sextiles that create sort of a focal point. Uh, and, and it's directed towards Mercury and the North Node in Taurus. Uh, so there is some like karmic aspects to this. Certainly we have a conjunction between the sun and uh, asteroid Chiron 
Jupiter is right there around the bend uh, and we'll be, you know, conjoining the sun and Jupiter around April 9th and 10th. And we can like certainly talk in, about the magic and generosity in that aspect. But, you know, my, my feelings about this moon, and I know Joan and I work from a different space. Like I am less book astrologer and more, what does my body feel like when I look at a chart? And I think that's the storytelling and the energetic interpretation standpoint that I work from. And the themes that have been coming up for me again and again is learning to offer sanity in situations where we don't really know what to do. You know, maybe, maybe someone is going through a grief period or a hardship and the best thing we can do is not make it as about us, you know, that we have something to offer to that other person. And in turn, when folks are going through hardship, whether that be a terminal illness, a death, divorce, a move, you know, things that are quite stressful, even childbirth, right? We tend to get incredibly alienated from our peers and from our community um, because, you know, ultimately we are chasing pleasure and avoiding suffering. So there is this natural component to being human and in our psyche to avoid circumstances that reflect our own insecurities or our vulnerability in just being a human being and that we're living in utter fucking chaos and things can change rapidly and unknowingly. And how do we control that, right? You can pretend everything's fine or you can really start to, to soften. And when I think about the Libra full moon, it is about relationship. It is about that softening component. So I'd love to love to hear what Jonah has to say about this chart. Yeah, thank you. Um, that was beautiful. I'm just soaking it in, you know. And there are a couple things that my eye keeps going to. Um, you know, first off, the right the um, opposition between the sun and the moon, right? This balance point. Um, between that Aries energy of like new birth and exploration and conquering and being like, I am here, right? And, you know, um, one of the ways that I think about Aries is like this thing, this person, this being, this energy bursting onto the scene and being like, I'm here and everybody being like, yo, who's that? Like, <laughs> what what's going on here, right? And Aries, um, I have found, um, and you might have a better perspective on this because I know that you're, uh, birth sign is Aries, your sun sign, um, but Aries like needing to like make their like space for themselves in the world. Um, and then the flip side, right, is that moon in Libra, which is about balance, which is about harmony, right? Which is like, okay, how can I take up space without like pushing somebody to the side, right? How can we like have space together? How can we come into like co-regulation with each other? Um, how can we find balance between my needs and like the needs of the uh, other or the populace, right? And in a mundane chart, like um, the moon tends to represent the people, right? So this is, uh, we can see this as like me and us, right? The big us and like where I, like where I fit into the world and how I like balance that with like maybe larger societal or, you know, community or just like, you know, um, how I relate to other people, um, you know, and uh, the other thing that I'm sort of looking at here is, 
Mercury just moving into Taurus and uh, coming in contact with the North Node. And Mercury, right, is like intellect, communication, our thought processes, um, how we like take in information. And Taurus is like very sensual and very body related, right? So, um, you know, Mercury moving into Taurus is like what I'm like, what is the information that I'm receiving from my senses, right? How am I, what am I smelling? What am I hearing, right? Um, all of this kind of like neuroception of like the information that we are picking up with our body constantly. Um, and I've been doing some reading on polyvagal theory, which is a lot about, you know, regulating the nervous system and, you know, moving between uh, dorsal vagal, which is like a collapse, right, when we get overwhelmed into um, uh, sympathetic, which is like fight or flight or like activation um, into uh, ventral vagal, which is, you know, um, rest and digest and uh, um, uh, pro-social behavior, right? And Mercury moving into Taurus is like, okay, like, how am I feeling in this, right? How am I feeling? Am I like feeling like nervous, activated? Am I feeling like shut down? Am I feeling like safe enough to communicate and to be in this situation? And, you know, I think that that's, um, for me, um, especially like reading about this, like that's the way that I'm approaching this Mercury and Taurus is like, how does it feel? Like, what is the information that I'm picking up from the world and processing that? And how does that make my body feel? And is it okay? And if it's not okay, like how do I um, re-regulate, right? Or how do I adjust to feel a little bit better in each situation? Um, so like at first, those are the, the couple things that come up for me. Yeah. Well, to kind of bounce off of that, I, um, I taught a moon gathering class at a local studio that I'm working out of called Moving Galaxy, which is uh, very apropos. Uh, and I, I, the, during the meditation, I was having the, the students focus on the solar plexus and the root, the base, right? And, you know, is associated with the hips and the pelvis. And this is the house of our... Um, I don't know, our most human biological self, right? We connect through the hips, right? When we hug another person, when we're intimate with another person, that tends to come from that space, right? Of, of like where we join. Mm -hmm. And then we also have this like biological component, which is like very, um, very sensory and sensual, but often like unwanted at the same time, or we feel shame or embarrassment around it, which is this really interesting construct about the pelvis. And then we have, you know, and that also feeds into the, the vagus nerve, right? And the belly, the solar plexus is where we receive information about willpower, which as you mentioned with Aries, it's like this force, this energy and this drive to take up space and to act. So the solar plexus is often our best compass point or like, uh, I guess like a gauge or a radar to understand when we're imposing our will on another person, or if we're being imposed upon. So this piece with Mercury and Taurus and learning to listen to what our body's truth is and to really mm -hmm. fall into, um, I don't know, like how can we just be humans and just be instead of just fucking thinking about everything, right? Flowers don't think, they just bloom, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> they just do their thing. But humans are constantly like grinding on stuff as a result of our, 
um, evolutionary mechanisms, the brain, lizard brain, all the different parts of us. Right. So I, I like that focus on, on regulation. Yeah. <laughs> that idea of like, am I blooming good enough? Oh God. <laughs> right. And you know, this makes me think about um, Chiron, right. Which is conjunct the sun um, by, you know, it's like one degree away in this, uh, in this lunation chart and Chiron, um, you know, talking about wounding core wounding. Right. And this sort of, uh, that maybe like shame collapse of being like, I'm here. And then people looking at you and being like, who's that? And you're like, oh no, maybe I shouldn't be here. Right. And going into that sort of wound or that um, shame collapse, which is um, in my experience, the kind of uh, uh, reciprocal of um, authenticity, right? When I find myself being authentic and vulnerable, it's usually followed by being like, oh God, I shouldn't have done that. You know, and I might like, actually go like experience some of that after we're done with this conversation um but you know chiron is also uh the medicine right the teacher it's how we uh learn to heal the sort of um wounding that we experience right collectively individually and i was listening to a, a talk last night from Catherine urban um and she was talking about how um, she has found uh, Chiron in prominent places in people's charts to be a signature of storytelling, which I think is really interesting. Um, and I think that storytelling is actually like incredibly healing, right? Uh, mythology is a way that the psyche expresses. And I think that stories help contextualize and also give us a, a map for how we move through uh, situations, difficulty, trials and tribulations. Um, and so seeing Chiron here conjunct the sun and the sun I see as like this idea of coherence, right? Um, and Chiron right there is like, okay, like what story, like what story needs to change to either like help this, this cohere, right? Or to maybe um, reframe what is difficult and challenging, right? What is isolating? What is um, the people who are left out? Right. How can we change the narrative? How can we change the story? How can we like externalize what is uh, difficult in this story so that we can look at it objectively instead of like feeling like it's part of us and there is shame there. Right. Yeah. Well, um, I, I have to say that also I will probably be shaking and feeling vulnerable after this conversation. Right. But that's that's sort of my my game as an Aries son. Uh, I, I love I love that this you know centaur Chiron and then I'm talking to a Sag son uh, <laughs> and the storytelling component it's it's really really something special um, mm -hmm. and what what you just shared sort of evoked in me all the stories of when I've had to be brave which in evolutionary astrology we say that you you choose planets in Aries so that you can learn how to be brave. And there is so much vulnerability and I almost feel like I'm consumed with something that's beyond my cognitive understanding, you know, where I, where I've gotten up in front of crowds and like spoken out, you know, when I was hearing about injustice or um, when I've just like signed up to get on stage at the moth and then won a storytelling competition, which would be part of this Chiron story as well. Yes. Um, and I'm just like, my adrenals are on fire, you know, and I, I often put myself in these positions where I'm, I'm a nervous wreck afterwards, 
but there's something so powerful and, and it proves to me that like, I can, I can have a thicker skin than what my Pisces moon tells me. <laughs> that mm, I have. Yes. Right. And seeking yes. connection and, and storytelling is a sense of connection. And like, what's more Libra than having a, a chat, you know, having a chit chat. <laughs> right. Right. And also like a beautiful uh, way of communicating. Right. And coming into connection because stories are beautiful. Right. Even if they're bad, even if the jokes aren't funny, even if they're difficult. Right. Like it is um, like this weaving that uh, helps to like pull people together into like, you know, this this common narrative. Absolutely. Yeah. So we have other, you know, players in the story, like of Mars, right? Mars is making some big connections as it's just ingressed or moved into the sign of cancer, right? It was in Gemini for freaking ever, you know? Yeah, I feel for like, like six months. Yeah, I know. And I, I have so many, I just seems like I saw so many charts with Mars in the 12th house, just like combing through there, just making people so irritable. Uh-huh. <laughs> or, um, yeah, and can- I mean, cancer's got some, uh, the there's got some play here and and then we have uh you know pluto aspecting the nodes by a couple of degrees as it's just moved into aquarius um i'd love to hear some of your thoughts about all the planetary shifts that we've had you know saturn as well like as aspecting both the south node and mars yeah so um i'm actually having some difficulty sorting out in like as i look at the collective what's pluto and what's saturn um Mm -hmm. because um you know saturn moving into pisces one of the themes that i've sort of thought about with that is um karl marx has his natal uh uh saturn and pisces and so there's a theme of like uh unionization right um that uh comes up with that or that i've been exploring i'm sort of interesting interested to see how this plays out um and i think that there's also some kind of like revolutionary themes because uh, the last time Saturn was in Pisces was 93 to 97. And then the time before that was 64, 64 to 68. Maybe it was 94 to 98 and 63 to 67. Anyway, both kind of like uh, very counterculture times where um, psychedelics were kind of a thing. Um, and so like, these are some themes that I'm interested in with uh, Saturn and Pisces. Um, And then Pluto moving into Aquarius, we're looking at themes of the collective uh, revolution, um, uh, ideas of like the shadow of technology, all of these are kind of like coming up to the forefront, you know, we're seeing this with um, the uh, looming indictment of Donald Trump. um, And I'm very curious to see what happens tomorrow um, with that as he turns himself in. also, uh, there's huge protests in France over the uh, raising of the retirement age in Israel over um, the kind of uh, sh- shifts that Netanyahu wants to make around uh, the ju- judiciary and Supreme Court. Um, and there are protests in Athens. So there's like all of this kind of like revolutionary energy bubbling up just as Pluto moves into Aquarius. Um, and so these are like a couple of things that I'm, I'm tracking and sort of like interested to see how these play out. Mm-hmm. 
Saturn is slightly or not Saturn, but Uranus is slightly unaspected in this uh, in this chart. I mean, it's close to Venus, like they just mm-hmm. had a separation. But to me, it's interesting that there's no like, there's nothing tight. Right? Yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, uh, I've been interested in the Venus uh, Uranus conjunction, right? And the ways that that like might transform values, and like the work that Uranus is doing in Taurus around um, transforming, uh, like, how we deal with money, how we deal with property, ideas of private property, resources, land, the earth, Right. And I think that these are all been themes that have been up since what, 2018, 2019, when mm-hmm. Uranus moved into Taurus um, and then being conjunct with the ruler Venus um, just the other day. And um, I think that was actually when the indictment of Trump came down was when Venus was conjunct Uranus. Woo-hoo. <laughs> but, you know, with Pluto... I mean, the, the two other things that I see, right, is Mars trine uh, Saturn, um, Mars in Cancer trine Saturn in Pisces. So we're getting a water trine between the two traditional malefics, right? And so like the male- they call them malefics because they're too much, right? They're out of balance. It's like Saturn is too cold, Mars is too hot. Right. So, you know, tempers can uh, get real like emotional in as Mars moves into Cancer, um, which is not Mars's favorite place to be. And then Saturn in Pisces is like, you know, one of the ways that I've been thinking about that is like Saturn, which is limiting, constricting, tries to uh, create structures. Right. Moving into like a very powerful water sign. It's like, how do you structure water? Right. Like. <laughs> you know like you can try and dam it right which like if that um if that becomes problematic then it's going to overflow right and uh we've been sort of seeing this uh in california with the atmospheric rivers and uh a lot of like flooding there right there's also other ways of structuring it right like a container like a cup is a way of structuring water or a net right which is a great way to like work with a watery structure right where you just get to collect what you're looking for hopefully without um encountering all of the resistance of water but you know my point is uh with the mars and cancer um coming into a harmonious relationship with the saturn and pisces being like okay what is a good way of structuring my emotions and directing them Right. Instead of like uh, freaking out and then trying to like shut things down. Mm-hmm. That just makes me think about um, like the mama bear energy of Mars and Cancer mm-hmm. and Saturn as like, how do we restructure collective will, you know, the, the Pisces energy and you know, maybe there'll be some pushback with all this anti-trans legislation. I mean, it, it just, things are really surfacing right now. And I know that in um, a couple of weeks ago, one of your uh, melee reports, you know, your musical uh, offering to the planetary gods, like you, you spoke a lot about that um, religiosity coming up, right? That Saturn in Pisces could, could mean sort of like a, a pushback with that, like, how do you put a frame around God? How do you own God? And I, I feel like that's like one of the biggest tensions that we're seeing in in politics today. 
Right, right. But, you know, I think that people have been trying to own God since they invented God. Yeah, Yeah, fair, um, fair enough. (laughs) You know, and I think that um, the divine always spills out, right? Because in, I mean, this is just my perspective, is that the divine lives in all of us, right? And um, I think that people have spent a lot of energy and money and reaped a lot of benefits from trying to um, claim ownership over that. And I think the jig is up. You know, I think that that is the grasp that control is having over the divine powers is loosening. And unfortunately, I think we're seeing like people clinging so tightly to the power that they had. And it's like really causing a lot of problems um, and pain for uh, incredibly vulnerable populations. Um, But I don't see that being sustainable. That doesn't make it okay. Um, But I I think that it's... um, uh, something that is falling apart, right? Because again, you can't dam up uh, such a powerful um, force as mm-hmm. the divine. Yeah. Yep. Just making some space for that. Uh, I don't know. I know that this last year for me has been a lot about deconstruction of a lot of the beliefs that I developed over the years, working with a particular teacher and, you know, trying to have answers for things that are unknowable and i'm i'm glad that that there has been that deconstruction for me and i know a lot of people are going through that on their on their own level uh especially in the last couple years as we watch uh society collapse in its own way and our own paradigms and the things that we found um to give us ground or structure or to make sense of things Right. So how do you put a box around chaos? That's that's my response to Saturn and Pisces. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like that guidance about like, how do we how do we work with our emotions? Right. Because the south node is being aspected in, in Scorpio and that can bring up a lot of intensity, you know, and, and like, how do we direct that? for for purpose right do we go out and vote tomorrow like we would in wisconsin do we write letters to legislators do we um, try to do amends work or boundary work with people who have caused us harm there's a lot yeah yeah and you know pluto in this chart is um uh squaring the nodes right and so in the evolutionary tradition, they talk about this as a skip step, right? That like something, you know, wasn't, didn't get done, right? So we're like going back and like Pluto points to that place or the the planet squaring the nodes is like, okay, this is where that thing uh, went awry. And so this is our opportunity to like uh, remediate that or remedy that, right? Pluto, this planet of death, rebirth, transformation, right? This planet of power, um, and, you know, I think moving into Aquarius, right, which is a sign of the collective, right, and how uh, power maybe like comes back to the collective, um, you know, squaring the signs of uh, Taurus, which is like what's mine, and uh, Scorpio, uh, which is like a shared resource, what's mm-hmm. ours. Yeah, traditionally, right? yeah. Yeah, and those are also like you know, not in like Scorpio is not like what's ours as in like the communal Scorpio is like what's ours as in relationship or family. Right. So like a small kind of structure, societal structure and Pluto moving into Aquarius is like, no, like 
what's ours as in like the collective power, right? And, you know, I think that um, power to the people is a really important um, uh, thing, right? Something that I believe in. I believe in mutual aid. I believe in uh, socialism. I believe in communism. I believe in anarchy, right? I believe in like individuals like having power and individuals having power like collectively and having power with not power over. Right. And I believe in like people owning their own data. Um, but, you know, I think the shadow side of that, which Pluto um, might bring up in its 20 years in Aquarius, is like what happens when that goes awry. Right. Like the reign of terror in the French Revolution, where the collective took power from the aristocracy and then went on a, a kill crazed rampage. And, you know, are you uh, referring to the last time that Pluto was in Aquarius, Jonah? Oh, yes, I am, right? Because the French Revolution happened when Pluto was in Aquarius last time. Thank you. <laughs> so, and you know, as like we cycle, right? And come back around and this happens with like solar returns, Saturn returns, annual perfections, like any of these cyclical nature, we have the opportunity to come back around and build a new story upon like the last time this happened. So it doesn't have to happen the same way. Right, we get the opportunity to do it different and better. Different and better, yeah. And what we didn't uh, do right in Capricorn is going to kind of fold over into the Pluto Aquarius years as well. Totally, but I think Pluto fucked it up in the best way possible. You know, I I just uh, it's it's really interesting when you're aware of a generational dynamic like what Pluto has you know, in, in taking as long as it does 2008 to 2023 as a window, a window of time and all of the themes and, you know, what, what happened with that, there's a flavor to that era. And so now we're entering this kind of new space and it, it's less tangible. Right? Yeah. The age of air, you know, we're moving from the ground up. So it's, um, yeah, hopefully the, the some lofty ideals will actually actualize into reality and then we'll be able to to kind of move with it. But uh, God only knows what's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And, you know, one of the things that's so like maddening about Pluto is it's like so slow and it's such a low vibration mm -hmm. that it's like happening constantly under the surface and just like beyond awareness right and i have pluto uh come basically conjunct my venus right now and i keep being like what's gonna happen right like where's it gonna pop out how's it gonna show up right and i sense this like hyper vigilance and like i also know that like i'm not gonna have awareness of like how this is actually transforming uh the venus in my life until way after Right. And like, it's, it's really frustrating to me, like the part of me that wants to know and prepare and do it right, because it's like such a like low vibration that it's, you know, out of awareness, you know, and that's how Pluto transforms. Mm -hmm. Does the work on you mm -hmm. but from the inside out. That's the trick. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think it's just like making space for that, mm -hmm. you know, totally. Yeah, I mean, I've just like, I'm, you know, nailed right now because I'm um, zero degree Pluto uh, Scorpio in my chart. So that means that when Aquarius, like this is all starting my, <gasps> my midlife transits, Jonah. 
welcome to the club my friend <laughs> yeah and i'm just referring to the, the pluto score that happens to all humans right like there are universal cycles that we all experience um which is why it's fun to do full moon and new moon charts right because we get to check in twice a month and and like look look at what's happening what's concurrent um, but then we individually have our own activations, our own cycles, our own triggers that we, that we move through. Like for example, Jonah's, uh, Pluto on Venus, which will be a couple years of, of shifting values, how you love yourself, how you connect with other people. Right. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it's interesting that like you do, you know, your, uh, your show, like not the podcast necessarily, but like the melee report, the music and astrology, and that's electronic, right. And like Venus and Aquarius kind of communicates through that landscape and you do your readings online. There's a, there's a lot to it. Oh yeah. I love the internet. <laughs> mm. I love the technology. It's like, you know. Oh, it makes me feel so good. <laughs> I can be left alone, but uh-huh. also connect to others. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. And, you know, at, in this, as we're, like, emerging from the pandemic, I'm like, okay, like, I have to force myself to, like, go see people in person. Um, because it's it was so easy for me to just be, like, a digital hermit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't heard that term. That's fun. You heard uh, it here first, folks. Yeah, no goblin mode. No goblin mode. We're no coming out. Digital hermit. <laughs> um, um, so you you work a lot with, um, I guess the the astrological magic piece of it, and you know I I have advice for my audiences like what they might meditate on with this, but I'd love to hear what what you have to say. Yeah. So one of the things that um, is pretty interesting to me or like this is a new area of study is the decans which are uh, divisions of each sign there are three in each sign each of them have a different ruler Uh, i'm not going to go super deep into this um, but um, the sort of year starts with you know zero degrees aries which is the first decan of aries and uh you know they're uh, 10 degrees each and so the sun is now in the second degree or the second decan of Aries, um, which is the decan where the sun has its exaltation. Um, and sun is exalted in Aries. Um, and so this is like a pretty um, auspicious time. Um, and like the decans all have a face or like an image associated with it. Um, and some people uh, talk about it as like, you know, there's sort of weird kind of like dream images. Um, one of the images is a woman uh, who's like bearing one leg, wearing a green dress, right? And it's sort of like, what is that, right? And like one, uh, T. Susan Chang, who's done a lot of writing about the Deccans and the connection with the tarot, um, talks about it as like a sprout, right? It's this image of like a royal woman as like a sprout coming up with like the one leg being the like sprout, you know, the, uh, you know, the, uh, ten, not tendrils, but the, I guess, uh, trunk of the sprout uh, coming up through the ground. And another, uh, uh, Austin Kopic, who's done a lot of writing as well, um, and wrote a incredibly hard to find book uh, called The 36 Faces, um, talks about it as like virtue and vice. And I just want to uh, read a brief uh, section from it. It says, all virtues and vices are habits. Ne- 
uh, neither not generated in day or left behind in a moment. They come to define not only character, but also uh, interaction of the character with the world around it. Given time, one virtue, one's virtues and vices come to define their lives. Indeed, the world remembers little, excuse me, the world remembers one for little else but these two. And, um, you know, the second Deccan is thought of as the uh, Lord of Virtue, right? So this is kind of like how we show up and like the way that we shape our world through our actions and how we perceive the world. And uh, Austin Coppock kind of goes on to talk about it as um, this is how we like create our reality pocket is this is a place that we get to do it in the second Deccan of Aries. Um, and the tarot card associated with it in the Rider Waite is the Three of Wands, which is an image of a person standing on a hill looking out over the ocean of possibility and the uh, ships that they have sort of sent off to, um, you know, go out to foreign lands. And uh, to really think about um, in this time during this full moon as this uh, Deccan is kind of illuminating the moon and coming to culmination is like, what is the world that I want to live in? What is the world that I'm creating? What is the like thing that I'm setting out? What is the habit and the pattern um, that I'm creating in my life that like makes this all po possible? And is the thing that I'm doing aligned with uh, what I actually want? Um, and so that's uh, a way that I would think about this in kind of like a magical idea. Right. Uh so get your vision boards out, get your glue stick and your magazines and your scissors. And in all seriousness, I think that's, that's beautiful, right? Like, um, I don't know, Aries as that comes to emerge from the ground, you know, to come out and to, to be who and what we are unabashedly. And I think one of the, the teaching pieces for Aries is, you know, being brave enough to be yourself and to reinvent yourself over and over again and giving yes. other people permission to do that and to show up in the space. Yes. Yes. I love that. You know, and that, yeah, the permission for others. Right. Um, Cause I think Aries um, when it's unskillful, right. In that like uh, survival mode and like courage of being like, I need to like make space for me, like forgets about like, okay, other people need space for them too. Right. And like once we have established our roots, it's like, OK, cool. Now I can like provide shade for others. Right. Now I can like allow space for others and like using that courage to help create space for people who like might not have that in the same way that um, I do or you do or somebody else does. Right. How do we like create space for the people who are the most vulnerable right? who need it the most? Right. And I think there is that call in component, right? That, um, you know, I mentioned at the beginning about how we push people away when they have like tendencies or situations that are uncomfortable. And, you know, I, I look at this chart and I think about how, how much feedback nourishes us, right? That, mm -hmm. that our behaviors, if we're not checked, if we're not called out for harmful speech or for um, selfish action or odd tendencies, right? Sometimes we get a, and that's like Saturn and Pisces, like that abandonment piece. And so when we, when we call people in and give them feedback and give honest feedback and heartfelt feedback without being harsh, 
right? That Libra component of diplomacy. Um, yes. it, it allows everybody to grow and it, and it gives us the ability to reflect on our behavior, our action, um, and how it impacts our community. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. So magical time of year, you know, especially the sun aligning with Jupiter. Um, any Sagittarius sun over there? <laughs> April um, 9th and I 10th. Mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, like good times is... <laughs> Um, I'm just skipping my chart ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, right, Jupiter is the planet of expansion, is the planet of hope and faith, uh, the planet of justice, right? Um, and, and self-mastery and, from where I come from, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. So, um, and if the sun kind of represents our kind of hero's journey, our sense of coherence, Right. I think that Jupiter gives us the opportunity to expand the lens that we are thinking of ourselves, right? Expanding the um, ability to, um, or what that hero's journey can look like, you know? Um, and I, I always think about Jupiter as like luck and faith, right? And so allowing ourselves to receive that luck and like allowing ourselves to put our faith in maybe something bigger, right? Because um, what I've heard, right, is that Jupiter um, kind of represents in the chart, like, where we don't ask for enough. Um, this comes from my teacher, Stephen Forrest. Um, and Jupiter is like, yeah, I'll give you anything you want. And, like, usually we show up with, like, way too little because we're like, I don't believe that I can have this, right? Or sometimes it's like, I don't have a container big enough to like hold all the things that I want. And so I think with the sun conjunct Jupiter, it's like, okay, how can we expand what we think we can have, right? And how do we have faith in like being able to receive something bigger than uh, what we, you know, what we thought was possible. Bigger than what we thought was possible. Yeah. So dream big babies, dream big. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Donna Emerson Bell, you are awesome. And I really appreciate you doing some reflections on this full moon and Libra happening. As an Aries sun, Libra rising, I see you. I appreciate you. Ah, did I do a good job? Did that resonate? Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, cool. <laughs> Thank, thanks for having me uh, on, on the show. You know, as a uh, Mercury conjunct sun in Sagittarius, I love to talk and I love to talk about this stuff. <laughs> Well, let's let's do this more. Maybe the inspired astrology will fuse into something different and evolve just as we all should. So uh, I'll hit you up next moon, next lunation. I would love that. Uh, And thanks again. Yeah, of course. All right. We'll talk soon. That was Jonah Emerson Bell. Uh, Blind Stallion Space Wizard is his handle on the Instagram. Um, You can look for him on SoundCloud with the weekly Melee report put out on Fridays, which is a combo of music and astrological insights um, from the wizard himself. And of course, here's me, Lauren Aversaday. Nice to have you here once again. You're always welcome. Uh, You can find me on Instagram at ursaday.com. 
Oh, well, that's my website, ursaday.us, and Instagram is ursaday with some underscores because apparently other people like the word ursaday, which is Latin for bear. And uh, it's all about change, baby, all about transformation from that space. Uh, I provide Reiki uh, and astrology readings from afar. Uh, The mirror is my astrological offering. You can book that online at ursaday.us. The portal is my way to reach you from very far away. A practice of absentia Reiki, which is a traditional practice of soul to soul transference of energy. And uh, yeah, it's like I'm, I'm your Wi-Fi router, baby. So you can find more about my offerings online. Uh, If you're in the Milwaukee area, would love to see you at Moving Galaxy or one of the various pop-ups. Every other Sunday, I teach a moon gathering at Moving Galaxy, which is a studio on the east side on Farwell Avenue, just, just right up against the backside of Whole Foods, if you know the neighborhood. And yeah, what else? I'm in grad school. If you want to send me some bucks, that would be super duper helpful. Um, I have a, like a, I don't want to call it a subscription, but like if you want to make a monthly offering so you don't have to think about it anymore, Dragon Donna is my um, just monthly like input where you throw in like seven bucks or 20 bucks or whatever bucks. If you have lots of bucks, I will receive that and uh, appreciate you very much. Uh, So you can look for that uh, on the website or just hit me up. Venmo, Lauren K. Hickman. You know it here, folks. So I will let you return to your full moon musings, your notebook, your bath time, your dog walk, whatever you're into at this very moment. And as always, I super appreciate There's super. It's It must be Jupiter in the, in the sun right now, man. Everything's super duper. But I, I really honor and deeply appreciate you taking the time out uh, to listen and to receive what I have to offer because otherwise it would just be me (laughs) talking alone in my room looking at my dog (laughs) all right well you take good care of yourself and I hope you stay inspired till next time